This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Matt Goldman. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with George Eiskamp, the CEO of Ground Metrics. What do you guys think of this one? It was pretty different. Yeah, this is a company that it's a startup. They've only raised three rounds of angel funding, but they're they're selling to the oil and gas industry. And so it's it's a much different pace and strategy than we see in uh, they're a typical tech startup. So it was it was incredibly interesting to hear how they're dealing with that. Um, so what did, what did you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was really cool to hear about how they developed a product first, and then they had to make the decision of whether to sell that product, which is the advice that they got from most people, or to use the product to provide a service, which is what they ended up doing. So it was interesting to hear the, the thought that went into that and what eventually pushed them to go against the grain of what everyone else was saying. 
Yeah, definitely. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes managing and purchasing domain names simple and easy. This week, I talked to one of their customer service reps, Roger, about what excites him about working at Hover. What kind of drives me is the fact that I'm, you know, I'm kind of working for a company that uh, pretty much devotes themselves to the area of customer care. Like they, they actually care about the customers and take a lot of effort in building websites and interfaces based on the customer feedback and directly drive the things that they do here and and trying to, uh, you know. Just put out the the best experience possible. Get 10% off your entire first order by using the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS, all one word, at Hover.com. Chargeify makes setting up and managing your recurring revenue or subscription business incredibly simple. Anyone who's ever set this up from scratch knows just how much work it really is. So let Chargeify handle it for you. Customer signups, onboarding, billing, and retention. And then you can focus on the things that are most important to you. Growing your business. If you go to Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship, they're offering 20% off three months exclusively for Rocketship listeners. That's Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship. You've heard me rave about Codeship before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. Uh, we've developed a new type of sensor system, a whole new suite of uh, new technologies that are leveraging fundamental physics in a brand new way that enables us to image what's going on deep underground. It's like night vision goggles for underground. And yeah. we're applying this to the oil and gas industry. So where did you guys get started working on this problem? You know, the core technology dates back to uh, some work going to 2001. It was born out of a DARPA project, and then there was some DOD work, and then its first application to geophysics came out of a National Science Foundation grant. And this was all with our sister company, who was doing largely Department of Defense-style work. And they hired me to commercialize their technologies. They have all sorts of electromagnetic technologies. And we identified this space as being the best opportunity. And we had a great opportunity to do a job with Saudi Aramco, the world's largest oil and gas company. And our intention was to to self-fund it out of the sister company, but they didn't have enough capital for us to move as quickly as we needed to to do that job with Saudi Aramco. So we spun out ground metrics, we raised some angel financing, and then we completed the project with Saudi Aramco satisfactorily. And it's just been a, a great trip since then. Some Department of Energy money followed on for continued development. And uh, a lot of our development has been funded through customers. So it's really been demand-driven from the beginning. We formed Ground Metrics because of demand from Saudi Aramco. And then we validated and built up our capabilities 
with uh, funds from industry and from the Department of Energy. So when they came to you, did they know that it was for oil or did they say, we have this technology, you can do this, figure out a solution for it? The government, especially in the Department of Defense, they highly encourage uh, service and product providers and inventors and such to develop commercial applications because the end good or service ends up being better, it matures faster, and then the companies aren't reliant on government work. So their whole infrastructure is designed to encourage it. So this sister company, uh, Quasar Federal Systems, had identified 30-something potential commercial applications. And at first, my job was going to be to, of those 32 identify the top three, do some initial research, pick the, and based on that initial research, sort of focus on the top one. And it just very quickly became very apparent that oil and gas was the top opportunity on the list. Um, Just because the industry it's oil and yeah, gas i mean, I mean it's, it's one of the biggest it's one of the major sectors <laughs> yeah right, so how did, did you have out experience in oil and gas when when no. you went into it okay no i didn't but i did have experience in commercializing new sensor technologies i had previously commercialized two new sensor technologies with two other companies so i kind of understood the general process and what i came to learn is that oil and gas is much harder than other industries I've been involved with or am familiar with via, you know, people in my network and such. And why is that? What makes it harder? They are ultra conservative. And there's at least two major reasons. I think one of it is a lot of what they do is dangerous. So uh, I just thought of a third reason. So one, there's a, there's a lot of danger. So they, they want to protect their people and the environment. And so it's very regularized. There's lots of decisions by committee, multiple committees needing to approve things, et cetera, just for the safety environmental reasons. Secondly, a lot of what they do is really expensive. So if you do something wrong, and even if nobody gets harmed and if you don't harm the environment, if you drill a dry well, that could be anywhere from a half a million dollars to onshore to $7 million onshore. Wow. Offshore, it could be deep offshore, it could be $200 million. So they're not so quick to move. They, they really have good reason to analyze and reanalyze anything they're going to do. And then the, the third reason, I think, has to do with the fact that Oil and gas has a reputation for being a rich space, so it's generated a lot of uh, oil skin salesmen, uh, so to speak. And so the organizations have institutionalized themselves to prevent fraud and waste and to make sure they're not being duped. And so all of this just builds in more and more to the conservative nature of the industry. And that is really hard to penetrate, but once you do, they within peer groups they follow each other fast. So you it might take years to penetrate a peer group, and then once you get in, 
you could just take off like a rocket ship overnight, basically. <laughs> okay. So it, you don't get this, you know, lots of times what you see in startups is there'll be a, a small incline sort of, you know, gradual progress, uh, one customer, one year, maybe two or three customers the next year. And it kind of creeps along growing slowly. And then you hit the hockey step curve, but you kind of know it's coming because you, you're building your, your ramp. On this, you can just be flat, 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 and then take off. So when you say it's totally customer-driven so far, are you guys doing just products that you're selling, or are you also offering consulting to fund it? We've been doing services. So our intellectual property is really what makes us unique. And when we were analyzing how to enter this space, we had the decision to sell our sensor systems or to use our sensor systems ourselves exclusively for ourselves and then compete on services and what i saw in the industry is that the oil companies are really great at commoditizing and squeezing service providers and service providers are even better at commoditizing and squeezing product providers so the combination of that and also uh, the appeal of there being an opportunity for repeat revenue from a services perspective, we very quickly decided to to become a services company. And to your comment about, you know, what what words of advice might I have for other startups? I think there's a there's a good connection point here. All the feedback I was getting was we had to be a product sales company because service providers, a small service providers is a billion dollar company. You're never going to be able to get a contract with oil companies, go through their qualification process, their contracting office. Just being this little startup company, you're not going to have the credibility. Um, you're not going to have the track record. They're not going to trust you. They're not going to believe you can do what you say. All of this from everybody I I. I heard this from just all the advice of I generally don't recreate the wheel. And instead of creating my own ideas, I generally like to borrow other good ideas that are easier to find than originate. But, you know, my gut just told me if we were going to give this a go, when I penciled a product sales market, it just wasn't appealing. When I penciled services, it was overwhelmingly appealing. So I won against conventional wisdom and just went for it. So, I think people that are looking to start a company don't be too intimidated by conventional wisdom. And I think to be an entrepreneur that everybody you have to, you're creating something new, which means you see something others don't see and you're doing things other people are telling you not to do. So it's probably not far-fetched advice, but don't adhere to conventional wisdom. And I would also say just because you're going a conventional, going against conventional wisdom doesn't mean it's right either. So, Mm. You know, it's you really that gut thoughts. call that it sounds like. Like you had an instinct that this was right and you followed it. And yep, and I got lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gut instincts can be wrong too. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would love to hear cuz we deal a lot with like marketing and content and and you talked about getting into networks and 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 moving around the networks inside of the oil industry what is what does that process look like for you guys is it a lot of in-person meetings how do you get in front of people uh that open up networks for you in oil and gas and all the other industries i've been in it's all the same find early adopters Mm. 
find them, and you can do that by seeing articles that are written. People that are that are in the R and D world, they're developing new things, are more open to this. People that are writing articles or giving presentations, even if it's not new things, even if it's just in this niche domain area that you're seeking out, find them, shoulder tap them. Call them, convince them to talk to you, and and then sell your story, right? And build relationships. It's all about building personal, interpersonal relationships with early adopters, and then learning from them how to enter their space because they're not typically going to be the ones that buy from you, but okay. they're going to know the dynamics and then hit your wagon to their advice. Are you flying out to meet with them? Are you, you know, jumping on calls with them? How do you connect with these early adopters? Yeah, the Saudi Aramco one, we went to a conference, so we were going to conferences, and uh, this geoscientist gave a presentation on an experiment that Saudi Aramco had done uh, with a technology um, that was challenged in their desert environment, and ours had a much superior performance um, across the board and especially in the des- desert of uh, potential. So we watched where he went and sat down after his presentation. And then we sprinted up to him when the <laughs> session came to a close and uh, introduced ourselves. Wow. And, and that was the first contract that you landed. Yes. Wow. Wow. How have you guys kind of overcome the small company, you know, old boys network? that perception in, in the conversations as I'm sure it comes up in these sales meetings. You know, we had to work harder. The, one of the first things this guy told us is he didn't know if he could even get us a contract because they consider a small company to be a billion dollar company. And he didn't oh. know that it, it would even go through their contracts office. <laughs> okay, <laughs> So uh, it did. So we lucked out there, uh, but we have to show more than somebody that has the right pedigree. Okay. Nobody really believes what you say in this space anyway. It's all about showing something that's credible. And we have to show something that's more convincing. And we have to show more examples of it and stronger examples of it. And then we brought in some very reputable people onto our scientific advisory board that could speak credibly about what we were doing to, on one hand, give receiving parties more confidence in what we're doing. And on the other hand, just giving them more coverage. Mm. Sometimes you just have to give them away so that if things go wrong, they can point at somebody else or something else that's showing it's not their fault. Okay. You know, the old saying, (laughs) nobody got fired for buying IBM, right? Right, right. We're not IBM, so we can't get somebody fired for buying us. So they have to be able to point to an IBM-esque sort of person and say, well, they said it was good or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And so you guys are also still doing some government work, right? We are with the Department of Energy. And so how do you balance kind of that work and the, I guess, the product work uh, in, internally? How do, you, how do you manage that? It's sort of the, uh, I guess, the other half of it being so hard to get an oil and gas. Even once you're in, everything moves at a geological time scale. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's like a slow moving, you're watching everything in slow speed. So you can have a lot of time to prepare for what you have to do. Okay. So I'll know months before that a job is in play. 
before I get it. So I can start doing hiring the people or ordering the materials or scheduling things. You know, I start with stuff that's that long lead time items and the least financial commitment early. And as it becomes increasingly likelihood that I'm going to get the deal, I start increasing our efforts to be prepared and also moving schedules around. One of the great things is once you build these relationships, you get people that that really care and they're really understanding. So if you need to ask uh, for a little wiggle room on something, start a little later, start a little earlier, do something a little differently so you can accommodate something else you're trying to do in your business. They're they're very accommodating. So I'd love to hear, because you guys are in in a much different space than, than we usually talk to. I'd love to hear kind of your how you relate to, I guess, the tech entrepreneur space uh, that we constantly read about in the news. Where do you guys kind of see yourself and, and how it relates to that? Well, first, let me start with a, a disclaimer here. Uh, I know a lot about ground metrics and my other startups that I've been involved with and the few that I've advised over time, but I am so emerged in this niche. I don't really follow the startup world that much. Okay. So I, I do know, you know, some of the, the basic stuff. I understand um, some of the, you know, the main themes and, and what I see a lot of is some people, um, I don't know how prevalent this is, but it seems to me that some people feel as though the victory is closing around with a, a big round with a venture, with a VC, a venture yeah, capitalist. That is definitely a prevalent. Yeah. And I'm the I'm, I'm the opposite. I see a big victory as a sale, or right. how, how little I can raise to get to the sale. Um, and that's why I've gone with angel investors. We've done three financings with syndicated amongst angel groups. We have a combination of seven angel groups or angel-like boutique investment groups that have participated in these three financings. Everything from the Tech Coast Angels to the Cowboy Technology Angels out of Oklahoma City to the Harvard Business School Alumni Association Angels, uh, among wow. others. And so I'm at heart a bootstrap guy. If I could have done this without raising any money, that would have been my dream number one. I couldn't. So I'm raising as little as I can, as seldom as I can, to build the company and ramp growth. Yeah. And I think that actually the point you made kind of ties back to what you said earlier, which is not to be too afraid of conventional wisdom. And there is this like new trend that closing that big round is the victory in itself. When, you know, back in the day, bootstrapping your company or not having to take money, that's, that's the real victory. And somewhere along the line that changed, you know, for some reasons that are definitely understandable, but I think once you separate yourself from this kind of tech startup bubble and look at kind of more old school businesses um, and how they work, you really start to see it for what it is. You know, it's funny that you say that because in hindsight now, well, I guess I knew it at the time, um, I was lucky enough in my first startup opportunity to have a CEO that was an old timer. His first startup was one of the, it was the company that developed the first PC fax board 
Wow. So the chip that could first allow you to solve faxes from your PC. So just to, to date him a little bit, and, he, and, he's a, <laughs> and he's a real bright guy. He's a Cal undergrad, MIT, PhD, and Stanford MBA. And he took me under his wings, and I guess we just, um, you know, the, like, like the Borg, right? I mean, I just kind of became part of his brain over the years of working with him. And I didn't know that historically that that's what, you know, people aspire to do. So I guess it makes sense that since, you know, I hitched myself to an old, an old timer that I would have these old school uh, philosophies in this regard. Well, it seems to have paid off. You know, you guys are able to, you guys are focused on growing the customer base as opposed to, to raising the next round. So it works. That's all I care about. We've had no celebration for our financings. If hmm. I get a financing, the first thing I do is come back to the company and say, our job just got harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we really have to deliver these things on this schedule, right? So we said we, we celebrate after every sale, but not uh, one financing. That's interesting. Yeah. I love hearing that too. Well, tell us, where can we keep up with you and Ground Metrics online? We have a company LinkedIn page. So, you know, if you follow Ground Metrics on LinkedIn and also our homepage, we've got a little news box that uh, we keep up to date as well. Cool. And the home the homepage is www.groundmetrics.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. My pleasure. Thanks, George. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Mm-hmm.